1: And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a
0: con man and they're a fraud.
1: All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Armarabi, and joined today by my co-host, Jack Shields. Jack, it is May 11th. How is how's life treating you?
0: It's good, man. It's, uh, it's essentially hanging around in the house, watching shows, eating food, and not getting to chores, being a big procrastinator. There's been a, uh, a box has been in our living room for three weeks with our dresser in it, and basically every time I look at it, I get an anxiety attack, and I don't do it. So basically, that's my life right now, is not putting together the dresser. And you said, it was like, I'm going to put it together.
1: You said it was like well, an I'm, Ikea thing, right?
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like you put it together. <clears throat> I mean, it, the box of screws that it comes with is like four times the size of my head. And, um, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> do
1: you like, do you oh. get special offers like from Ikea, like on their meatballs and stuff like that?
0: No, it, it wasn't from Ikea, but like, it's that kind of thing.
1: Oh, I see. It's lots, lots You've of got a good deal of on it.
0: It's a nice dresser, but like you get a dresser for 150 bucks. that's a steal. But then they yeah, don't tell you nice. that you have, uh, like, I looked up the YouTube video for putting this thing together, and someone was like, Yeah, it took me seven hours. <laughs> like, no, I don't want to <laughs> no. do this.
1: That's something that you just like, you like put a couple is, games like on. That's a background. whole
0: Saturday. I yeah. mean, I don't know.
1: <clears throat> it is. It is. Like, have you been venturing out during your lessened quarantine? Like, now that things are starting to open and stuff like that, or did you do anything special for Mother's Day? Yeah,
0: we we did go to brunch for Mother's Day, and we went to a place that did a very good job with the whole social distancing Hmm. thing. Like, the tables were... Where'd you go? uh, Pepperoni Grill up in Edmond. Okay. It's good. Uh, It's solid, but, like, uh, yeah, like, the waitresses were wearing the masks had gloves on they were sanitizing the napkins they were sanitizing the tables i mean they were doing a really good job so shout out to pepperoni grill in Evans. it was a nice place for brunch for mother's day for sure shout out to my mom mother's day
1: yeah that's shout out, shout to, out, shout out to all the moms out there Absolutely. that did that did good things in that yeah. uh they were able to raise their kids well and not into crazy people but yeah I, I've been venturing out a little bit more. Like I used to be pretty, pretty quarantined and pretty isolated in the house. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, And then it's, it started with like walks around the neighborhood, then running around several other neighborhoods. And now like, I'm not, not, I just kind of, I go places, but I'll wear a mask if I'm like in public. Like for example, like if I go to Seven Eleven, I might put a mask on, but if I'm going to the store or something like that, I'll definitely put a mask on and stuff like that just to, protect myself and others but man it's been it's been wild I've read more books in a month than I've ever read in my life even in grad school yeah. uh r- r- I've watched a lot of movies I've never seen before and um yeah like, like a really bad a really bad idea that I had I'd never read Anne Frank's diary right oh and, wow yeah and uh so I was like all right I'm gonna read this thing and so I I read I read it and it was of course as depressing as you thought it would be at the end because like towards the end um and frank gets starts to become very hopeful because like the uh the english are invading and stuff like that which is good news for them and then all of a sudden the diary stops and yeah. then the only survivor of the family was her father and so you find that out you're like oh that's that's really depressing and then I was like, you know what? I've never seen this movie called The Pianist about World War II. It's and so
0: good. It is, I, wa- I it watched Brody it. Brody kicks ass.
1: I watched it He's and really uh, Adrian Brody was a really good uh, actor for that. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll watch this because I've seen Schindler's List. I've seen, that was I've seen... like his
0: breakthrough performance, if I recall. Yeah. Correctly. I think that's where he he was at the Oscars and I guess kissed Halle Berry when he went up there or something like that. That's... And Everyone was like, who's this Adrian Brody guy? And then He's been famous ever since, I guess. But oh, yeah,
1: it's just I'd never seen it before. And I'd seen a lot of uh, several other World War II or Holocaust movies. And I've watched like a lot of World War II movies for some reason. Like I watched Unglorious Bastards for, like the second time in three days. Great movie. The other day. Yeah, it's Ariba you know, Alderin <laughs> Daddy's hilarious. But um and Dressed I watched,
0: Waltz is incredible.
1: <laughs> yes. And just like you He's know good in everything. Have you did you know that Christoph Waltz and Brad Pitt they're they uh the play the the players the the characters that they played were supposed to be reversed that Brad oh, really? Pitt was supposed to play the evil Nazi guy that like was really nice and Christoph Waltz was supposed to play Aldo and because really? since Brad Pitt was having such a difficult time learning German and Christoph Waltz already knew German yeah. he just said all right let's do this
0: i i had I had no idea because, I mean, Christoph Waltz was so perfect for that role.
1: Yeah, he really was.
0: It, it would not occur to me that it would be the other way around. And Brad yeah. Pitt obviously was perfect for his role. So
1: it just seems really? funny to know that after the fact, like they just like, oh, well, no, let's just switch it. That's pretty That that's is pretty fascinating.
0: Wild. I had no idea about that. Yeah.
1: So, like, watch it again knowing that it'll really mess with you sometimes. But. Uh... I guess we should start the podcast, right? Instead I of talking guess. about stuff. But hey, guys, we have a lot of things for you guys. Sooner series for two thousand one. Uh, things are a little bit different. It's a little more of an offensive struggle, but means more defense and means more defensive exciting plays. Pretty big recruiting update, to say the least. You got some Oklahoma folks in here. Of course, the most recent linebacker commit did happen out of Florida. Uh, it was a virtual commitment, <laughs> so they're just a, this, this took series. a
0: virtual visit too. Yeah.
1: Lincoln, Riley, and those dudes, they are killing it in the virtual tour game. And then we'll have some Twitter questions and some other things involved with, you know, schools. Playing football in the fall, Zach Evans committed today for another time. And that was, that's... Uh, that's See how pretty, that
0: works out. Yeah,
1: it's really, really intriguing.
0: Very intriguing.
1: But... Uh, if
0: it not, works out, then, you know, good for TCU, I think
1: but. I think it will, but i don't I don't know if Gary Patterson has the uh Patience. i don't know, i don't know if I don't know if he has that in him, but we'll see maybe it's like a maybe it's like a if you screw up one time you're gone sort of situation and he'll just like really make the most out of it
0: hmm. it's to him.
1: but talking about two thousand and one and this year is seemingly forgotten other than the Roy Williams Superman play in Dallas, Texas. People forget some of the good games that came out of this. People forget Nate Hibble was the starter to begin the year. And that Jason White came in just before getting injured in the Nebraska game uh, up there in Lincoln. And it's just this Kansas State game that we're going to talk about is the first game that happened after September 11th. So there's already like a lot of emotion in the air. There's already like, you know, I remember the narrative was, should we play sports? Like, is like, what should we do? Like, should we even be playing sports right now after this happened? And stuff like that. And it's just. The uh, Tulsa
0: game was actually postponed to the middle of the season. It was supposed to happen after 9-11. It was mm -hmm. in the middle of the season, if I recall correctly.
1: Yeah. And so it's just a different era. I mean, you're coming off the, you're coming off the 2000 national title season and uh, the, the 2001 season was the first season that I actually got to go to a home opener um, and it was the North Carolina game and Julius Peppers was there. But I mean, everything of course happened and for 2001 and what do you remember just really from this Kansas state game? Okay. Cause there are things that stick out, but what do you yeah, remember? There are a
0: lot. Well, I mean, one, you getting off to a big lead? Mm-hmm at the beginning of it and thinking they were going to coast. And it's not like they played poorly in that game to let them come back in. There was some shoddy tackling at the time, but Kansas state, I mean, L. Roberson was a beast. (laughs) I mean, He was really awesome the week before that, or not, maybe not the week before that, but the game before that they played USC. I think it was Pete Carroll's first season. They weren't the USC that they were going to be, but they were still fairly talented and Kansas state beat them 66 to three, I believe Mm -hmm. they were really good. They ended that year six and six somehow, but that was a really talented Kansas state team. I mean, and they, uh, they gave OU a pretty big scare in the end. I remember OU going with the intentional safety late to make it a one point game. And it, it was the right move, but it was definitely a bit of a bold move because Kansas state, even after that made it too close for comfort. But, um, man, one other thing, the crowd was electric. College game day was there, if I recall correctly. And uh, they did it, like, in the stadium. They used to do it in the stadium when they did college game. day. They did it, like, in the corner. Yep. The southwest corner, like, right where our seats were. So, and you could kind of hear them a little bit. But it was a weird setup back then. They didn't do it on campus at OU. They just did it in that corner. And basically it was an 11 a.m. game, so the crowd's in there and you see them making their picks and stuff like that, and then it's the game. It was odd. But, like, uh, I couldn't even imagine that today. But, I I mean, I guess they've done that for Texas a couple times. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the crowd back then, this was the year after the national championship game. So the OU fan base wasn't quite to the point where they were super spoiled because they were still fresh off of the nineties, mm-hmm. but they were in a really good place. Self-esteem wise, because they had obviously just come up with an alpha national championship. So the WU fan base at that point was about as, I guess, capable of getting loud and as, as, as excitable as possible is what I would say. Cause now, I mean, it takes a lot to impress OU fans because I mean, we're spoiled. We, 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 yeah. We have to have a 10-win season. You have to put up – if you don't put up 500, 600 yards in a game, the offense sucks. That's the way you look at it. But, like, uh, back then it was a little different. So, the uh, crowd was a little more excitable. There was definitely a lot more uh, of a buzz in the air for that game, even though the uh, east upper deck wasn't there. I mean, it was extremely oh, yeah. loud. It was really, really <clears throat> loud for that Hunter Wall fake punt touchdown which is one of my favorite OU plays of all time yeah
1: because you awesome. mentioned that before I even watched it because yeah. I, I should remember this game being incredibly close at the end and I re- I was watching it and I remember and I saw OU jumped out to like a 14 nothing lead I was like oh this how does this game become even become close and then UCL Roberson dashed through like six tacklers and just boom a barge into the end zone and then Eventually, uh, like you like you said, uh, there's there's a fake punt, and it was it was pretty unreal. Like they stacked four receivers wide to the right, like yeah, that's that's incredible. It, it what was it? They snapped it to the punter. He threw it to one of the four stacked receivers on the right. Mm-hmm. And they threw it all the way back across the field to the so left.
0: Wall. Yeah. And the he, dude
1: just like waltzed into the end. He had end a
0: convoy, run. yeah. He had a really good convoy.
1: <clears throat> just, an, just really fun and really impressive. And, you know, something that I, I really noticed in this game was Nate Hibble, although we give him all kinds of crap, and Jim Traber loved to give him crap.
0: Yeah, that, I still remember that Colorado Big Twelve championship yeah. game. Oh, man. I've
1: got, I've got the, I've, I have that YouTube clip. Yeah. of – Oh
0: God! Uh, of, well, see, I blame Al Eshback more than anyone else. For bringing it up in the interview, yeah.
1: he stoked the fire. He's How like, awkward. "I defended you. I defended you." And then, like and
0: Hibbles, like what? What? Was Hibbles, he like about what's him? my
1: what's my buddy saying again? And then Jim Traber just so sitting awkward. there, sitting there like a church lady. He's like, "Nope." Nope, not gonna talk about it. Not gonna talk about it. It was really
0: for the next probably month, maybe two months. Was just every single collar to the sports animal was just crucifying him. (laughs) I mean, more so. You hate to see it. Like it was. It was great sports radio. I got Doug,
1: Doug Gottlieb was on like was on he the was call. Yeah, he was, he was there.
0: there back then. Yeah. Yeah. You okay? I give him a lot of shit now because now he's so much of a troll. But he was. He was bad. When he, he was, was bad. doing local stuff in Oklahoma City after his Oklahoma State days. He was pretty good. He really was.
1: Yeah, he was. I agree. I mean,
0: when he's not <laughs> channeling his takes towards being, you know, a hot taker and trying to, you know, yeah. Get, uh, get like hate retweets essentially he's actually a pretty insightful guy now his objective is to be a dipshit but
1: yeah he does it really it, well it,
0: it sucks but like yeah it's uh it's one of those things he used to be pretty good on local radio though he really was
1: so yeah that's another thing in it. now, that's now he has too. us blocked
0: on twitter though so
1: yeah whatever i don't know if he has me blocked
0: He doesn't have my personal account blocked. He has our account blocked, though. I made I made
1: so many mentions about credit cards, but no. Yeah,
0: see, that was the thing that got us. Like he, uh, (laughs) he, he had some trash take that was universally blasted, obviously, which is what he does probably once every three months. But anyway, he he seemed kind of like triggered by it, and I took the time. to make a gif of, uh, you know, Home Alone 2 with Tim Curry. Mm -hmm. He's like the hotel manager or whatever at the Plaza Hotel. I made a gif of him uh, taking Kevin McAllister's dad's credit card out of Kevin McAllister's thing and saying, (laughs) what's the matter? Somebody take your stolen credit card, and he blocked me immediately. That's fantastic.
1: That's great. (laughs)
0: you bring up stolen credit cards and he will block you if he sees it
1: well he does not
0: like having that brought up he's very willing to throw stones at young athletes for their behavior and saying they shouldn't mm -hmm. be forgiven for this and that like dude
1: yeah (laughs) it's incredible it's it truly is but yeah stole
0: several credit cards
1: this one thing about kansas state nate nate hibble impressed me in the with the idea that He was willing to stand in the pocket all day and deliver a throw despite him getting hit underneath the chin one second later. See,
0: his pass protection sucked that It was bad. It was was really, really bad.
1: And he stood in there and took it like a champ while delivering throws. And I haven't seen really many OU quarterbacks do that. Just like they know they're about to get hit, but he's going to make that throw anyways. Yeah. And, like, you see a lot of quarterbacks, you know, since then, they'll scramble around not to get hit, because, but, you know, to get a better throw. But if he sees a throw that's there, especially if it's, like, a long down-the-sidelines throw, he's not afraid to just take one on the chin knowing he's about to get lit up. And that was something I really appreciated him. And then people don't appreciate Antoine Savage for what he did at OU. At one point, he was the leading receiver in yards – in history at OU. Now, granted, take that with Mark a Green. grain of salt,
0: because prior to the Stoops era, there weren't, weren't a raid, yeah. A, yeah, exactly. But, like, uh, yeah, he was a first-team All-Big 12 receiver <clears throat> in 2001. Yeah, he was, he was good. really good. Granted, Rashawn Woods was snubbed, and he, I guess, took that personally and uh, mm-hmm. took it out on OU later in the year. But That's true. Anyway, yeah, Antoine Savage, he was he was pretty good. And he was man, good enough. Too and OU's passing offense was a lot better in 0-2 and Antoine Savage of they was kind that year. He
1: like you said, and Mark uh, Clayton, the Sooners were actually up 38 to 35, and they had the ball with like, like I feel like 20 seconds, and they didn't they, want to kick
0: it to Lockett. They
1: didn't they want to didn't kick lock it to Lockett.
0: Um, the year before,
1: yeah, well, Aaron Lockett was Stoops. Apparently, old. decided to re-kick it to uh, Tyree Kill many years <laughs> later, but uh, yeah, whatever. But yeah, they oh, don't,
0: God, don't. <laughs>
1: They, they didn't want to they didn't want to kick it to the locker, which makes sense. So they just like literally like ran around. But like typically you want to run around a little more than just like three seconds and yeah. waste a lot more time. This guy just like he took it, ran around for a few seconds and then sat down, got the safety, the punting. It's and then so it's 38 37. And the can Kansas State, like they get the ball near the 40. They can like do some damage with like, you know, maybe two throws left. Yeah, they could, get into they could have gotten range. into
0: field goal range. Yeah,
1: and it's like my goodness, but the the game ended on a hail mary. OUns thirty eight to thirty seven. Um, I remember the the story in the Oklahoman was uh, here, kitty kitty. Uh, that was a front page story, um, and that was that was it.
0: That and, resonates even more today, but with yeah. the Tiger King. But
1: yeah, it's true. And the then, coldest
0: diss track since hit them up.
1: Gosh, it's so good. But going on to the second game of the series, which is the one really pe- most people think about for two thousand and one, it's really the only one that has a good memory. I mean, you look at Nebraska and that's not a good memory. You look at you look at the bowl game, that's just like it's just there. And you look at Oklahoma State and Bedlam and Stillwater, and that's just that's that, I'd that's I'd say what that loss
0: was top five most. Uh-huh. Of my life. <clears throat> and
1: so horrible. this horrible. G- this game it, it personifies a generation. It personifies a player. It personifies a, a what people thought about a Mike Stoops defense would be, uh, and it personified that for a long time until modern offenses came about. And so the OU Texas game, this entire game, is a defensive struggle like nobody's getting a leg up on anybody it's straight like today we would say it might be boring like it's like nobody's scoring
0: it was like an sec football game yeah really thousands sec football game
1: and the thing that i noticed most about these two games while watching them was oh yeah the targeting penalty doesn't exist anymore right here so these dudes are just lighting each other up Brandon Everage yes and,
0: in that era <laughs> and yeah that's that's something, we, that's
1: something that's just like you look at the defensive backs because they they did the the secondary and they show all their faces and their names and you look from left to right and you're like oh my holy crap you've got Derek Strait Andre Wolfolk Roy Williams and Brandon Everage like what do you do what do you even do right there and like, there's not a lot you can do. So, like, of course, Texas didn't do much, and they had Roy, they had their own Roy Williams who did yeah. nothing. Um, yeah,
0: there but, were three Roy Williams in the Big 12 back then. There was the OU Roy Williams, the Texas wide receiver Roy Williams, mm-hmm. and then the Kansas basketball coach Roy Williams, now North Carolina. That's confusing. Coach. But, yeah, a lot of Roy Williams energy in the Big 12 back then.
1: Actually, really funny. Did you see that thing on Twitter the other day about – some North Carolina Tar Heel fan wanting, like, you know, like you can pay, like, athletes or actors to say, like, a happy birthday. Cameo, yeah. Yeah, cameo. Like, I guess somebody hit up Roy, the wrong – they hit up OU's Roy Williams when they really meant for Carolina's Roy Williams to say happy birthday. So he did the cameo <laughs> anyways. It was like, uh, go Tar Heels. I think you picked the wrong Roy Williams. <laughs> but it' is really funny, man.
0: That is outstanding. I've got to see that.
1: But yeah, this game was a big defensive struggle. You have Chris Sims. You have names like Nathan Basher. Uh, you got you have Nate Hibble playing. And didn't Nate Hibble get
0: hurt or wasn't he? Got, he-, he got dinged up, yeah. And then Jason yeah. White, who was a very different Jason had White. Both
1: thing. of his knees.
0: He was he was an athlete. He was like a four four, four, five, forty guy. Like he was he was making spin
1: yeah. moves out there. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, he, he – uh, I think it was the next week or maybe the week after they played Kansas, and he broke off some long runs in that game, and you could see the wheels, like, on full display.
1: Because he was an option quarterback ever at yeah. Tuttle.
0: Yeah, Tuttle, yeah. I mean, he could move. He really could. And he so, was yeah. Uh, he was actually going to go play quarterback at Miami.
1: Miami. Mm-hmm.
0: Before Bob Stoops, like, arrived and said, hey – come on in and he got him at the 11th hour to sign with Oklahoma but
1: yeah with those big old Jenko jeans from Tuttle he was I've a
0: see I've seen him recently in some air comfort solutions commercials mm-hmm. and the jeans have gotten a little tighter I've got to say I think yeah. someone probably had an intervention with him and said hey it's not 2003 we don't have every time I see those big jeans I think of like that type of rock from back then like that really bad alternative rock from back then yeah. like ash-ups of Nickelback and Saliva mm. that uh <laughs> I think of like those kind of that kind of music when I see those giant genes from Jason that's fair like, he's still trapped in that era but it's, amazing. it's amazing. I think someone said hey I mean or maybe he just simply couldn't find those genes anymore yeah because no one makes those jeans anymore. Although I think Gene Co is making a comeback. Yeah. I saw that. Maybe
1: someone Macy's and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Pretty wild.
1: But yeah, Jason White, he got, he, he started to take control of the ball game. They actually started to move the ball a little more successfully. And him being able to scramble up field, him juking out some Texas defenders, which is like, that's not the Jason White. A lot of people remember, but yeah, he, yeah, that's well, the Jason White with both of his knees.
0: Yeah,
1: And then the, the crucial mistake of Texas rears its ugly head in which Nathan Basher earlier, he in the game, he decided to fair catch it except a, he did not actually catch the ball. He let the ball roll down and it rolled again near the goal line. Uh, I believe inside the 10 yard line. And then yeah. so like any coach, they're going to gripe at you and like, why didn't you catch the damn ball? So of course, like in the midst of all this chaos of the Red River Shootout, I think that's what they called it back then. Yeah, they just And they, so Nathan Vasher goes out there. The ball's punted in the air, and he's like, "All right, well, last time they, they bitched at me for not catching the ball, or for fair catch." So he fair catches, and he catches the ball at his own two-yard line. And then and of course, I think Musburger's on the call. He's like oh what the hell is he doing what's this guy doing <laughs> it's like everybody <laughs> you can see all the texas coaches like pal- face palming again like nathan basher he's just like what you told me to catch the ball so i caught the ball and it's like man you need to have a sense of awareness so
0: yeah really good football player so good too play. everything worked yeah. out for him in the end it just didn't that day he actually had a uh he had a kick six in the nfl for the chargers
1: yeah he had With a, a good career in the nfl
0: yeah oh yeah he was really mm-hmm. good
1: a lot of these early 2000s Texas Texas uh, cornerbacks and defensive backs did Quentin Jammer was there, too. Quentin like,
0: Jammer was really good, yeah.
1: Just really good. And, and what a hell of a name for a player, right? Quentin yeah. Jammer as a DB. But Nathan Basher just makes the massive mistake that sets up literally the play. And, oh, my God. It's just like, what were you thinking when you saw Roy Williams jump over the top and then the next thing you know, the ball just floating in the middle of the air.
0: Uh, It all happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. So it just like, like basically it was Texas snaps the ball. Teddy Lehman is in the end zone being mobbed.
1: Yeah, see, that's that, what that, I, like, remember.
0: I don't I don't really remember much <laughs> in between that. Like in real time. Like, I mean, it just kind of happened so fast.
1: Because I was really For confused. Certain. I remember watching it. As a kid, being really confused as to what just happened, I remember remember seeing an OU player in white jump over the line of scrimmage. And then the next thing I know, Teddy Lehman has the ball running into the end zone. I'm like, wait, how did the ball get from Chris Sims to Teddy Lehman? Like, I didn't understand. And then they showed the replay, and it was just this immaculate he jumped over the line, over the block, over the lead blocker, and got a hold of.
0: Poor, poor Brett Robin, who was immortalized yeah. in sports photography. Chris Sim- and Chris
1: Sims is lucky he didn't even get a safety. Like he probably would yeah. have rather taken the safety instead. It goes, and then Teddy Lehman is just right there and just drives into the end zone. And I mean, these guys—they, I think Brett Musburger, like they—you know—they have Boomer Sooner playing in the background. You're all the snare drums playing on the, on the cadence, and he's like, "Do these guys ever lose a big game?" <laughs> and then I was thinking man you
0: the you narrator comes in at that point no. <laughs> in fact they did
1: but yeah just and then seeing it in slow-mo and, and, and knowing the story behind it that Roy Williams had done that early in the game and Mike Stoops chewed his ass out for it yeah. and then Mike Stoops specifically told Roy Williams don't jump over the damn guard again they're gonna chip you and then Roy Williams Says, okay, and he goes out into the field and does it anyways. He jumps over the guard, he jumps over the lead blocker anyways, and makes history. And of course, he pulls him over on the sideline, tells him what uh, what hell of a play he just made, and pats him on the back for a play that Mike Stoops told him not to do. And that was that was, you know, the Superman play. I, I read I remember <clears throat> reading something about some guy, or maybe he was on the radio, maybe he was a sports animal, a guy called in and explained, that I think the topic was the most regrettable sports moments they'd ever had or witnessed. And a guy went to the Red River Shootout with his wife in 2001. And um, during a moment in the game, he noticed his shoe was tied, so he bent over to tie his shoe. And then while he bent over to tie his shoe, he heard this massive roar from the crowd, and he had just completely missed the play and then <laughs> saw that it was 14-3, to or I guess it would be 13-3, to and he's just like just missed probably one of the most iconic moments of the 2000s, if not OU football and, and that rivalry rivalry in general. That's pretty pretty funny and pretty special. The Sooners win 14 to three, and that's that's going to be a score very similar to that of their Cotton Bowl game against the Arkansas yeah, Razorbacks later on. That three, season. I
0: believe. Yeah, that was that three. game very cold? Cold,
1: cold as hell. No offense.
0: Super cold.
1: People getting their hel- their face masks stuck together. I,
0: one of my biggest memories of that game is like Arkansas fans not knowing who uh Rocky Kalmus and Roy Williams were and just like marveling at OU's defense and how they were like uh bottling up Matt Jones. They kept going, Who is number thirty eight? And mm-hmm. who is number twenty? I, I just I, I love that in hindsight. All of the Arkansas fans weren't camouflage, of course, they're Arkansas fans, but like uh yeah, it was uh yeah it was a fun date it was a fun game that day my dad had a. Uh, he brought hot damn into the stadium that mm. day it was like 15 degrees in the cotton bowl and it ended up being passed around the entire like arkansas section or something like fantastic that. it was pretty hilarious but uh gotta gotta love a hot dam on a cold football game day but uh yeah, have you ever been? Did you go to that game by chance?
1: Mm-mm, I watched it okay. from the warmth of my living room.
0: If you ever went to the Cotton Bowl, like the game itself, before it moved to Jerry World, sorry, it uh, it is very eerie to be inside the fair for a game when the fair is not going <laughs> on. It is creepy.
1: It's like, like dead.
0: I'm, I'm tell Yeah, like the uh, the gun swings are just kind of like. They're in place and not going around or anything mm-hmm. like that. None of the rides are going on. No one's at the corn dog stands. Hmm. It's like a ghost town. It's It was That's pretty weird. odd. I'm, I'm glad it's not a thing anymore. I'm glad that the Cotton Bowl game itself is now being played at Cherry World because that I is agree. a it It was a very strange event. And it's always cold as shit in Dallas on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. So it's better to play it indoors, but –
1: I agree. Yeah, yeah, that would be really strange, I, especially uh, like being a Sooners fan and going there for OU Texas every year. It's hot as hell and everything's alive and then you go down there for a bowl game and it's just like dead, cold, gloomy, and then you have to play Arkansas and yada yeah. yada. So yeah. that's pretty interesting.
0: I mean, it was a situation where it was a no win situation for OU. They weren't really getting up for that game, but apparently the OU defense did get up for that game because yeah, they real. were they were possessed. It was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, they, they, I think granted the game Matt Jones was a
0: freshman, but I mean that was the year that Matt Jones went to uh, seven overtimes with Ole Miss. I mean he That's was right. he was a freak athlete. No, you just he had no answer for these defenders. I mean, so you had too much sideline to sideline speed on that team. Yep, there was uh, nothing going on for Arkansas that day.
1: Yeah, definitely, and so. Let's transition over to some recruiting because there is a big recruiting update. Lincoln Riley has been, Lincoln Riley and staff, so you have to credit everything that that recruiting staff is doing, everything they're with their graphic department, everything that they are able to do in virtually recruiting kids during a pandemic because they cannot get kids on the campus because nobody's hosting. Kids one on of campus.
0: the many situations in which you were very grateful that Lincoln Riley is here right now instead of the Stoops era.
1: Yeah, because. And because, no, because I don't,
0: how, how well would Bob have, yeah. have adjusted to this situation? Obviously, he would he have would. helping him out a little bit, but. Lincoln, he has firsthand knowledge of all this stuff. So, yeah. I mean, he's able to sort of spearhead all of it himself. Like, so.
1: I know Lincoln Riley has control of his account most of the time. Yeah. Whereas Bob, it was an assistant. He never dealt with that. Yeah. And I know – I'm sure Bob would have done some things, but I don't think he would have gone to the extent what Lincoln Riley and all yeah. those dudes are doing right now. It's it's incredible. And you got a recent commitment out of Florida, Danny Stutzman, he – Currently plays outside linebacker uh, for them over, uh, I forget what high school it is in Florida, but it's like a private school. He's the guy that really stands out uh, at that 6'3". But they're going to play him, from what I understand, uh, at inside linebacker. He's a three-star kid, but, you know, they really like him. Uh, Coach Odom really likes – they like his IQ. They like the, his length. They like his explosion. Um, not enough to be a rush end or anything, I guess. They want him to play him at inside line inside linebacker with his IQ. And um, he's some he's a guy that they're not just taking him as filler for the class. He's a guy that they're not just taking because they burnt out on all the other prospects. He's a guy that they really believe has some pretty high upside. And Oklahoma year in and year out are one of the best evaluators of talent uh, in the country and definitely in the conference that they can evaluate talent and really coach these guys up. I mean, you look at one year of what Brian Odom was able to do with Kenneth Murray, and you can imagine what three years with Brian Odom and would have done Kenneth Murray. I,
0: yeah, I've, I've thought about that a lot. I think he might be, if not one of the best – if not the best linebackers in school history, he'd be one of them.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's incredible. He's,
0: he's already sort of in that conversation, but obviously he only had one season to truly thrive. But yeah. – I mean, he he'd be in the conversation, uh, you know, with the boss and with Rocky Calmus and with Teddy. He's Lane, just so bad. athletic.
1: He's so fast. He yeah. at times he at times he was the only linebacker in the middle of the field, just covering it from left to right, just by himself, and still making plays. It's just unbelievable his talent. And this guy, is Stutzman. Now, is he as explosive as a player? No. But does he like to hit dudes? Yes. You look at his tape. He, he is an explosive first step. He's a high-Q guy, long arms, long reach, and he likes to hit hard. Um, he's not the athlete that Kenneth Murray is, but he's – You he, are. He's – think think more Ryan Reynolds than anything yeah. else. Um, but Oklahoma, they want to take two to three inside linebackers in this class from what I understand, especially with that David Aguebu. That experiment is something that they're going to move on from. Good. <laughs> He's gonna be playing outside rush and
0: I, I so, did not I, I understood from a depth perspective yeah. why they were tinkering with that, but from a natural fit standpoint, I mean you can't even you you can't rationalize yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't
1: make doesn't make a lot of sense. So if I had to guess right now what the linebackers looked like from day one. Uh, with a rush end and t- your two inside linebackers, you would probably have Benito slash Agwebu and maybe throw John Michael Terry somewhere in there. And oh, if it- he's
0: healthy, John Michael Terry is right in that conversation. He was yeah. kicking ass before he got hurt. Yeah.
1: Aguebu, he's just he's just he has such a higher ceiling than yeah. any of those dudes. And then yeah. You look at the inside linebackers. You got Deshaun White, who Brian Odom was marveling at before Kenneth Murray's season took place, that he's the most instinctual linebacker he's ever coached in his life, which is pretty, pretty high praise from Brian Odom. And then you've got, you know, right now with COVID 19 striking everything, whereas I think you might have, if you had a spring and if you had a summer with dudes like Brian Asmoa. Shane Witter, uh, too. Shane Witter, who they are also very, very high on. Uh, those guys, especially Brian Asamoa, he might actually have a chance here to start, but I think your inside linebackers at the Will and the Mike are going to be, um, I guess, the Will and Sam. You, they're technically both inside linebackers, yeah. but they have separate jobs sometimes. But you're looking at Sean White at the Will, and Mike will look likely be Caleb Kelly. So I'm really interested in seeing how that takes place. And as the season transpires, how that might change as practice gets more reps with dudes like Shane Witter, Brian Asamoa and David Aguebu and stuff like that. So that's really interesting. Uh, that's a good commitment and they're doing things really, really well on that side. Danny Stutzman apparently like 10 minutes after his virtual, virtual visit committed to OU. And they held that for like a week and didn't, didn't do anything. Didn't say anything, but A little more serious is the series three in which two of the three members of the series three, um, the Williams, Williams kids, Caleb Williams and, uh, Mario Williams, both five stars now. Um, and then you have Christian Leary who his commitment date is set to June 6th. You've got a big boomer, which would be, um, Bryce Foster, who's a five-star. you got a running back who would be – that is leaning really Sooners, but Texas is in the mix and SMU's in the mix. Kamar Wheaton, he is a five-star. you got a lot of guys that really – kid from Union, too. Again, the kid from Union is – He's a
0: burner, too. Oh, man.
1: A.J. Green. Uh, man, they've got a lot of dudes that are really on the cusp. So, like, talk about the Series 3, the big boomers and whatever. Oh, you could have as many as five five stars in the class. Definitely at least four. Uh, because um, as soon as Caleb Williams came out with his top three, which were LSU, Maryland, University of Oklahoma, Nussmeier, he commits to LSU the same day. But you know, I know LSU wants to take two QBs in the class, but today he actually just dropped that to of Viola's brother is now trending to Maryland. And ah, from what yeah. I understand, Maryland's not taking two quarterbacks in this. And and the uh, oh who's the coach over at Maryland? He Mike was Loxley. The, Loxley. Loxley's an incredible recruiter He's an incredible. He, yeah, coach, and
0: he he's coach. someone who has worked with Tua before, so that's a yeah. natural fit with his younger brother. Yeah, so, so that, that's awesome. what I'm
1: saying. And so I mean, I mean, from if I if I understand correctly, Maryland's not taking two quarterbacks. I think I, and I've said this so many times, it should be pretty clear what's happening here. Now, will OU, can OU like relax on Caleb Williams? No, he's the number three player in like of all of college football right now. They rated him number three, still number one quarterback, five-star kid. Uh, you can't relax on him. But at the same time, if I'm telling you he's secretly, secretly in quotes, recruiting for several others, Sooners, possible future Sooners, uh, that should mean really good news. He's on a conference call weekly with Lincoln Riley, like breaking down film on what they do in the offense and what they can do to be successful. And so, like, I think it's just, it's just good news here. And, and Caleb Williams is recruiting really, really hard just as much as Lincoln Riley is. And when you've got a catalyst, because, like, remember when – I think it was Sooner Squad 19 – Justin Broyles is like one of the one of the mouthpieces for OU recruiting other guys 17. to get out there. Or was it seventeen?
0: yeah, Broyles was
1: so long. You know? Yeah, and yeah, you know, Rattler gets on. Rattler eventually gets on. He starts recruiting guys, and you know once you get that one integral piece, like the number three, those player in the nation,
0: begin to fall. After it's that.
1: like gosh. So the first, the next commit OU gets uh, that isn't a surprise will be June sixth. I just mentioned that date not far as long ago in this podcast. Um, but LSU, I, I don't feel like they're – I just don't think they're going to be able to get Caleb Williams. Yeah. Now, Caleb Williams, Kendall Daniels, guy.
0: I mean, the Nussmeyer yeah. guy is a talented kid. I mean, He's they've good. found their quarterback for the class. They're not going to pull a Tom Herman and take both Cam Rising and uh, what's-his-face, uh, Casey Thompson. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty rare. That that didn't work out for anyone.
1: So. Who knows? I mean, all, all the guys that are pretty down to it that talk a lot, like Caleb Williams, he's always retweeting, of course, Mario Williams and Christian Leary and Kendall Daniels. And they all have LSU in their finals, but none of them have Maryland in their finals. And these are guys that you know do want to do things. And some of them have Clemson, but not all of them have Clemson. So look for the common denominator, people. Look for the common denominator. It's so there. basically, what you're Obvious. saying is
0: that a bunch of Tennessee Twitter warriors about to eat their words. Oh man! I mean, orange I warriors, don't. as they were saying,
1: I I don't forty
0: thousand orange warriors coming to Norman.
1: I, I how just does someone don't get it. tweet
0: that with a straight face?
1: I don't get it. What am Orange my,
0: warriors. What that am sounds like favorite? something an Oklahoma State fan would say.
1: One of my favorite. Like they'd
0: have a very serious look on their face. It wouldn't be yeah. ironic at all. They just you're be right saying that at face value.
1: One of my favorite Twitter follows for Tennessee is the Drunk Vol fan. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. and
0: I I like Tennessee fans. I really yeah. do. They're they're one of my favorite fan bases, actually. I went there in 2015 for mm. that game, and they were uh, very hospitable. Yeah, really yeah. fun fans. Knowledgeable fans. Amazing. Out in the Smokies. Yeah. Beautiful area, obviously. The campus is kind of – it's not as pretty as you would think it is mm-hmm. campus is kind of kind of bleh but uh their tailgating situation was pretty cool obviously the whole I would thing imagine was pretty great but with all the <laughs> yachts and stuff but definitely cool
1: so i mean it's just people need to for some people are just like really 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 unsure about like because I mentioned today, it's like, oh, you can four five-star commitments by July fourth, and people are really gunshot, Like, well, it's COVID nineteen, and that they could they could commit, but they could just easily add just as decommit. And I'm like, yes, that's college football. That's that's that's,
0: that's the case no matter what.
1: That's how recruiting works. Um, But, you know, Oklahoma, as of now, as I see it, like you look at all the guys they're in on, you look at all the guys that are really trending that direction, and you look at all the guys that want to play football together at OU, OU is more likely to have a top five class than they are a
0: 10 to 13 class. Yeah, I mean, that's what – if you end up with three or four five stars, that alone – yeah. Just putting you in the conversation to be top five. Five stars weigh a lot in the recruiting rankings. They do. Perhaps and more than they should, but they definitely weigh a lot.
1: I think these five stars for Lincoln Riley, because like you look at Bob Stoops and his five-star history, and it wasn't that great. Like Honestly, what five stars panned out besides Joe Mixon?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, early 2000s you had some guys. But like like Tommy Harris, guys like Adrian that,
1: Peterson, like, Tommy Harris, Gina GK, boy. Yeah,
0: but a lot really didn't. Like the uh, – I'm trying to think the the, Adrian 2000, the 2008 class comes to mind. You had Jeremy Calhoun. You had R.J. Washington.
1: Brandon Williams. You
0: had uh, Stephen Good. Yeah. was in the 2007 class. Stephen Good ended up, you know, being a – He's all right. And R.J. Washington ended up being a contributor by a senior year. Neither of them panned out to be, like, yeah. big NFL guys, which if you're, if you're a five-star, basically yeah. that's a projection of eventually you're going to go in the first three rounds. Of Trey Matwire He who must not be named, Trey <laughs> McTwire.
1: There's just a lot of five-stars that never panned out for Stoops. Yeah. And I think the five-stars that Lincoln Riles getting on campus, you could say all three of those guys are going to be big-time playmakers, and they've already flashed that ability. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. And, and Caleb Williams relationship with Lincoln Riley, it means a ton. It means, I mean, like they're not just like texting every day. These dudes are legitimately like having like, he's not only having a red shirt year like Spencer Rattler is because they did, he did the same thing with Rattler. (laughs) Lincoln Riley developed a relationship with Rattler during his high school year. Rattler would call in and they would literally go over plays and schemes during his high school years at a a, pinnacle Pinnacle, thank you in arizona and so they had a year of film study and then he's got a year of sitting out in in the actual game like room and preparation so by that time you've got a year of film study you've got a year of actual experience and now you're going into your third year of lincoln riley isms and so to suspect that spencer radler won't be successful and to suspect that a guy that's like Caleb Williams, which is like Justin Fields ish, gives he gives me a lot of Justin Fields vibes with a better arm. It's incredible, and that that really will go a long way. And I'm not worried about the offense ever at all under Lincoln Riley. He's given me no he's he's given me no reason not to trust his decision making other than a squib kick. Other than that, I'm pretty chill.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things that were questionable early. In his tenure as the offensive coordinator, have sort of gone away. He's figured things out. He's yeah. He's evolved. I mean, he's maturing. I remember. I mean, people were qu- early on questioning his run-pass ratio. Yeah. Situation and
1: sometimes abandoning and, and, the run. And,
0: yeah, exactly. And and there was good reason for that early on. But then, and I remember the uh, the Houston game in 2016 mm. when they got behind a little bit, they completely abandoned the run, which. They probably should not have done in hindsight, obviously, but uh and he hasn't really done that since when they've gotten behind. He's he's trusted the run game <clears> knowing that it can work, but uh you know, in their, you know, I haven't really had much issue with his play calling since then. He got a little too cute in twenty seventeen. And since then he hasn't really done that. Yeah. He I learns from he his mistakes that yeah. that's what separates him from. <laughs> Predecessor, he's quicker to learn from his mistakes. I think
1: that's fair. So, like, I think I just think people need to trust Lincoln Riley. He's not sending him. He's not sending out any other quarterback offers. That should tell you something. He meets with Caleb Williams weekly. That should tell you something. A lot of dudes that like, (laughs) and it's just like, how can he not see the writing on the wall? But hey, whatever. Grinch is now just by looking at things. Grinch is now getting his bodies into the program. I mean. The average height for defenders in this current class, across the board. I'm not talking about defensive linemen. I'm just talking about in general. The average height, six foot four, of all players. Nice. With, between Downs, Muke, Stutzman, uh, you know, you got two OK preps kids there. Uh, Kendall Daniels is trending in the right direction for OU, and that would be you know that 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 length factor would still be there, and several others, and. What would what would this transformation mean for the defense? Big picture, do you think for getting these longer, more athletic bodies in for Alex Grinch?
0: I think length and athleticism is probably going to result in more turnovers, don't you think? I mean,
1: I mean, I mean yeah, some I of mean, that comes
0: down to luck a little bit. Some of it comes down to just simply playing sound defense. Yeah, but if I mean, you, like it stands to reason that if you have more Length and athleticism on your roster, you're going to force more turnovers. So that sort of brings Alex Grinch's vision into fruition, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, you get you get the turnovers. Uh, you've got the idea that you know you may not be a speedster, you may not run a four three like Trey Brown, but
0: you're going to have far fewer matchup nightmares. I would yeah. say that because I mean, you saw OU against Texas in 2018 against Texas's receivers. OU's defensive backs were physically incapable of hanging with Texas's receivers. Yeah. The defensive backs that Alex Grinch is recruiting right now, that's not going to be the case. If you're yeah. 6'2 and have length, you can at least sort of hold your own with a Colin Johnson or a little Jordan Humphrey.
1: Yeah, You just need to look at, I mean, like really look at Clemson, look at Ohio State, look at Alabama, look at the defensive backs. They are not the fastest dudes but they're very big. Yeah. And it's tough to, it's a it's tough to throw over them. First of all, B, these dudes are bigger in nature. They're not 5 foot 9, they're not 6 foot 175. These dudes are 63 190. So these guys are more able to get their hands on you earlier. They're able to disrupt timing routes. They're able to put their arms um into passing lanes a lot easier. Um, and they, there's just a lot of things that go in there, and then of course for run support, uh, there's not a lot of spinning. You know, if you're a five foot nine corner or a nickelback, you know you can get a you can get kind of lit up by a by a tight end and maybe even pass out on the field. Uh, but if you've got a nickelback that's that six foot three two twenty and can run a four or five, well now you've got issues. Are on we talking offense. about
0: Justin Harrington by chance?
1: Yeah, you're talking about Justin Harrington, and honestly, you could talk. You could you could say that about Bryson Washington. Several of the guys that yeah. are coming into campus now. It's it's really impressive what Grinch is doing and getting his bodies into the program. Because, I mean, when it came down to it for this past year before Alex Grinch, people knew two names. They knew Alex Grinch. They knew Pete Golding at Alabama. They in uh, the, the the word was, Alex Grinch was the guy oh wanted in the first place, but he went to a state. So then they had Golding, and and really both Alex Grinch and Golding did the same exact things in their first institutions that made them famous in general. Um, Pete Golding did this at UTSA, which made him a namesake. Alex Grinch started to do this at Washington State. They're getting bigger defensive backs because it turns out, yeah, speed works. But when you're operating with elite wide receivers, elite wide receivers are not five foot nine, five foot ten. Nope. They are CD lamb. And
0: if they are, they're operating out in space, and <clears throat> it's a completely different animal.
1: They're they they are CD lamb. They are six foot two, six foot three, dudes with speed, and dudes yeah. that are physical. Okay. Uh, now now will you get a Hollywood Brown that's gonna bust the top of a defense? Yeah, will he cause issues? Definitely. Uh but these they started Bolstering their defense up with bigger bodies in the secondary and even slimmer bodies <laughs> in, in into the defensive line to disrupt the pocket, disrupt the quarterback, and force him into bad. Changing throws. the bodies
0: of guys who were already on campus, guys like <laughs> Neville Gallimore, and it yep. obviously benefited Neville Gallimore immensely. He went in the third round of the NFL draft.
1: Yeah, it it's, it's, might it's, not have been the
0: case if he had stayed under the previous regime. So, Alex Grinch worked wonders for Neville Gallimore for sure.
1: And for the future, they're going to need guys like, you know, Ronnie Perkins. Like you just said, Neville Gallimore is a good start. They're going to need yeah. Ronnie Perkins. They're going to need dudes course, like yeah. Jalen Redmond to really have good years because right now, Oklahoma, what they're having to do on defense, because on, on offense, you're never worried about offensive rec- recruiting. You're never really worried about the offense in general. For defense, you know, you can recruit defensive ends, the guys that like to rush after the passer. And you know, they can recruit some pretty okay safeties, and that you, you're not getting the elite defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, and you're not getting the elite big cornerbacks. Now, you might get some really sweet dudes from modern day, you might get some really sweet guys from St. Thomas Aquinas that are like five foot ten, but that's not what Alex Grinch is after. He's after big defensive backs. Uh, big, lengthy linebackers and more slender, flat-bellied defensive linemen that disrupt the backfield. And right now, OU's going to have to do work in the NFL draft over the next couple years, like Ronnie Perkins, like Jalen Redmond, and like Shane Witter, and like Brian Asamoah and Deshaun White, and guys like uh, you know Trey Norwood, and seeing what they can turn them into uh, to get these legitimate big and dominant cornerbacks and defensive linemen until then they're going to be operating off their highest ability to scout now it Alex Grinch did apparently really well with Mike Stoops players in one year so I'm really just really curious to see what that will look like in the future come Alex Grinch getting all of his players in a line after three years maybe four years but Regarding Stutzman, I thought this was interesting. Stutzman had been committed to OU for a week, and I, I had known Danny Stutzman was going to commit. I was just lazy. Like I think I mentioned to you, you're like yeah. like, yeah, yeah, with commit posts, like, oh no, I thought he was like, I was like, I was, like, I was going to write that today. Who commits on a Monday morning?
0: Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, you texted that to me. <laughs> was we just don't like. Have to Today I'll get to it later.
1: Yeah, it I was ended like, up
0: being fine because I mean it's you know it, it doesn't take that long to write up yeah, a commitment no. to post. But
1: I was just like, dang it, who who does this on a Monday morning? I was about to get, I was going <laughs> to do that real, today. Yeah.
0: And but
1: eyes. yeah, but it was known that Stutzman was committed to OU, and he had done it for like a week, and there are no eyeball emojis. And do you think that Lincoln Riley has been burned one too many times on the eyeballs? And now he might be done with it.
0: It's something to think about, but I mean, off the top of my head, these times when which he's been burned are times when he is tweeting an eyeball right when he gets a silent commitment, regardless of when that official announcement is made. It see, I mean, obviously, I'm not in his shoes. I'm not paid the big bucks. Wouldn't but wouldn't it make more sense to tweet out these eyes? Right before the announcement happens, as opposed to when See, I'm, what I'm thinking. It's a silent commitment—that seems a little more reasonable. Because you 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 could have a major burn situation on your hands. Yeah, oh, gosh, you, you could get have a DB this
1: situation. This, you from could last have year this and more
0: in. recent situation
1: oh, on yeah. the hands of the Ohio then, State when yep. you get
0: burned. I mean, it's <clears throat> why not just wait until? Because obviously, when you're a coach. There's communication between you and the prospect on when the commitment announcement is happening. So why not just tweet out these eyeballs, say 30 minutes before the commitment announcement happens?
1: I agree. I agree with that. That,
0: that seems reasonable. I mean, I don't know.
1: Yeah, then I, I think that, then again,
0: I'm not in his position, so I don't know. He knows better than I do, but that that seems like something that would, that would work. I don't yeah. know.
1: I think it's fair. I think it builds momentum. So yeah. I think I think. You're oh, right of on course.
0: I, I love the eyeballs in some capacity. Yeah. I think you should use them, but I mean, maybe
1: because maybe as soon as happy. people, because people have a lot of the notifications on for Lincoln Riley, and if it's not something Sooners, and you just see a pair of eyeballs, like, oh crap, we're all in a frenzy. You yeah. know, people like, and they typically, you know, I've already told you who the commitment is, or something like that but it's just like Twitter's like, Oh, what's happening. That's so cool. And stuff. it just makes it more interactive. But yeah, I agree. I agree with that statement that like, maybe you should do it maybe like an hour, or 30 minutes before the commitment instead of like weeks out. But we're stuck with, uh, some definite eyeballs that are still lurking around that will be definitely, uh, due in June and July. So it'd be really, really intriguing, but, we are going to go to a break. After the break, we have some of your questions from Twitter. Uh, we do have some interesting stuff to talk about regarding football in the fall, which looks like it's going to happen. Thank the – In Lord.
0: some capacity, whether it's with fans or not. In some capacity, I, I that's
1: football. right. Yeah, that's so correct. And we've we've got a beef with Tennessee for some reason that I don't understand, <laughs> and Arkansas <laughs> basketball, and merger hornets, and I,
0: let's dude, just, I. <laughs> On that note, I cannot wait for that series with Arkansas. My Same. dad's an Arkansas grad; all his family's Arkansas people. Arkansas fans love basketball when they have mm-hmm. a reason to love basketball, and right now they like their coach Musselman. They're they're gonna roll out to this game if they mm-hmm. allow
1: fans in the BOK in the Tulsa region. Is that
0: BOK, yeah. There's a there's a lot of Arkansas fans in Tulsa, and B that's really not far from Fayetteville, or yep. that's I mean in Fayetteville. Northwest Arkansas and those towns like Bentonville and in uh, and the fort and yeah and the, well the fort too yeah the fort's not too far from uh, Tulsa either and then Springdale like I mean that's become like a major population hub in Western Arkansas yeah. so I mean they're they're, see, they're Tulsa they kids committing I mean they care so much for about yeah. basketball the you OU see care about basketball yearly
1: you see Tulsa Union and booker t washington players committing to arkansas regularly yeah it's not a coincidence people
0: i mean and there's a lot of kids who grow up in tulsa and go to those schools who go to school in arkansas Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of tulsa kids at the university of arkansas
1: but all to be said we will get to all this right after the break we'll check you guys back in a second today's episode is brought to you by cars.com All right, so some Twitter questions, Jack, from Sko. We've got two. He says, what do you think the 2020 college football season will ultimately look like? As planned? Maybe a delayed start? Shortened schedule? Canceled outright. What do you think?
0: Not canceled outright because, put simply, they cannot afford to do that. They cannot afford to forfeit television revenue. Mm -hmm. That will not happen. What I think you will see is a delayed start just because they're going to be delayed on when they can get students on campus mm-hmm. and get them working out, get them in shape. I think that's one of the big hurdles. And then as far as fans and stuff like that, I think at least the first month or so, you're probably not going to have fans or at least limited fans.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then again, who the fuck knows what the state is going exactly. to be?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: A month or two months or three months. So, like, the, this, I'm just shooting the shit right now. Obviously, yeah, like, well, yeah no, you're right. About this right now, it's just shooting the shit.
1: Because the NBA, they even said no fans definitely for the playoffs when they will eventually start. It sounds like the NBA is going to start playoffs eventually. Can't wait!
0: Can't wait! And they're not going fans. I, I, I didn't want this uh, this Thunder team to have to. Yeah, end it. I wanted yeah. to watch this Thunder. I wanted, team. I
1: wanted to see him through. Even I if, was
0: very proud to be a Thunder fan this season.
1: it was, it, it, it I was loved, fun. It. Yeah. I,
0: I'm a. I mean, if people doubted Billy Donovan before, they're not now. It's it, Russell was the coach before Billy Donovan. It uh, always it now seems, Billy's actually the coach.
1: It seems like a slight to Russell to say like he, it seems like a slight to Russell to say man watching this team is fun again because it hasn't been fun since the playoffs in 2016.
0: This I mean, this team I mean they're slotted at the five seed right now. <clears throat>
1: Should have been the four. They, should, they, they were, were going to beat the Jazz at night. They were going to beat the Jazz at
0: night, and they were going to continue to trend up. They were so good in crunch time of games. Yeah, they were. They, the were leader, in, they A. They were the in five. every game. Mm-hmm. And B. They were very good in crunch time. Yep. Chris Paul, he has helped his legacy so much with how he has played this year with the Thunder. hmm He's not even his,
1: one of the top four scores in oh, that team. No, he's
0: not. I mean, he. But he is unquestionably the alpha of the teams court general. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I, I remember, you know, over the summer after all this stuff was going down with the trades and everyone was saying, Oh, Chris Paul, how can I even root for Chris Paul? Even though they started he, playing. Yeah. And then they started playing and there was like, huh?
1: going to like this I mean, guy.
0: This is, this is fun.
1: It's nice to have an interview uh, after the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Barry Trammell loves it.
1: Uh yeah. Oh gosh, you can imagine and and friend of the pod Brady Trantham really appreciates it too. Yeah. But it's just you know, in the NBA, they mentioned not even having fans even next year up until there, unless there's a virus. a uh, not a virus, but unless there's a, a vaccine for the virus. Yeah. And so um We've got some other material about this question, um, so I'm just gonna leave it at that, and we'll talk about that a little bit more regarding Mark Emmert, who've got you know conference commissioners and president Harrows of oU. Um, but let's go to toco's next question, which was what's your favorite Simpsons episode, and what prediction about the Simpsons do you hope comes true next? What do you do you have a favorite Simpsons episode?
0: Oh, I mean, the one where they cut off the head of Jebediah Springfield's a good one. that's a classic. It's good. the one where. <laughs> This wasn't the main plot of the episode, but I loved – they were calling uh, – someone was prank calling Mo at the bar and was saying, hey, we know what you're up to, like, and they didn't know what he was actually doing, and he runs down to the basement of Mo's tavern, and they have a killer whale down in the basement, and he's like, get it out of here, get it out of here. All right, we're, they're amazing. on to us. Like, that was one of yeah. my favorite Simpsons moments <laughs> ever, but, like – uh. I'm trying to think of my favorite episode. Um,
1: Hmm. My favorite episode is...
0: It's hard to pick one.
1: Yeah. My my favorite episode is Homer Simpson. One of them was, his middle initial was J, but growing up, he never really knew what his middle name was. It was just Homer J. Simpson. And so, like, you spend the entire episode trying to figure out what this guy's middle name is. It's, like, written on a wall somewhere behind a dumpster. And it's just it. Literally, his middle name is J J A Y Homer J Simpson. That was probably my favorite episode. It was just so anticlimactic and the most Simpsons (laughs) thing ever. I don't don't have a now that
0: I remember. One of my favorites was uh, the time they were they were citizens of Springfield, including Homer, were going up to Canada to get cheap drugs like (laughs) pharmaceuticals and bringing them back to the United States and flanders meets his canadian counterpart and they're like you know hitting it off and uh his canadian counterpart's like hey you want to smoke a reeferino and uh flanders is like i knew the devil would come attractive
1: (laughs) that's so funny really good ned flanders underrated character
0: oh god yeah
1: so underrated uh, Daryl from the Just Okay Boys says, well, what has been your favorite part of this quarantine season? Are there any coaches still on staff that could be on the hot seat if players don't produce or recruiting isn't at a high level? What do you think? Well, Jay
0: Boulware's gone. So Jay
1: Boulware's gone immediately after the uh, national semifinal. Lincoln Riley held a big old meeting in that office and basically told them, if you're not with it, and if you're not dedicated 100%, you need to get out, and Jay boware said bye, which yeah. <laughs> and now he's at Texas. So Yeah,
0: now offense has zero question marks. Defense has mostly zero question marks. I think
1: there's okay. only one person you can think of, right, because everybody else is new on defense.
0: Yeah, Tibbs, and Tibbs, Tibbs. has done well lately, yeah. but apparently he and Grinch have kind of butted heads a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. We'll see. I, I hope it works out because I mean, obviously, lately it's been working out for Tim. Yeah. I don't. I don't well, think
1: there's so. anybody on the hot seat. I don't
0: think anyone is no. truly on the hot <laughs> seat. So.
1: I don't think so at you all. Just
0: have to over the next, you know, three or four years, keep keep an eye on the Tim situation. But
1: I would agree with that. Right
0: now, it's not a red alert.
1: This one from at Swank Bowser. That's a that's a good at.
0: Swank Bowser. Yeah. Like Bowser from – oh, no, that's Bowser with a Z, so it's not Bowser from uh, Mario. I
1: don't know. But he Uh, says, Texas has a decent percentage of players in a more centralized area that can host player-led workouts compared to OU, who recruits more nationally. What's your thoughts on how this could affect teams like Texas and LSU this year that have the advantage of teams over like Oklahoma?
0: That's a really good question.
1: Really I think but, question. <laughs> it's a, it's a thoughtful question, but it, you gotta imagine, um, <clears throat> these guys can't be in groups of more than whatever. Um, and just in the, you know, yeah, they're practicing together, um, at, at limited facilities. And so like, I think you'll see a difference in not camaraderie, but what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, continuity of the players they're playing with I think you'll see a definite trend as far as like how familiar they are with the with their colleagues and with their with their friends and with each other Um, but uh, training wise I'm not concerned at all Uh, I mean these guys they're getting all these materials from different spots but like you said yeah I mean it it is a little concerning that, you know, Texas and LSU, they get a lot of their players from in-home, like Ohio State. They get a lot of players from Ohio. Yeah. Florida, they literally have just the state of they,
0: Florida. Florida does not have to leave its home yeah. at all.
1: So I think they might have an advantage of group and team workouts, but it's not like it's a massive team workout. It's like pockets of guys here and there. And, you know, I don't even, I don't even know how many guys for OU are even in Oklahoma right now. But then you see all the workouts that like everybody is posting, and you like you see all these OU guys getting a ton of work in. Um, but they, so they're not going to come to campus like fat and lazy. I'm sure there will be some. I'm sure there will be some. But you're not going to well, have Penny the camaraderie.
0: Whip them into shape. Yeah, it'll take a few weeks. But
1: but yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a legitimate concern that. You know they that these Texas players can hold player led workouts, yeah. in, in comparison to OU guys that have to rely on Texas and California and Florida, and now they're looking at the DMZ area over on the East Coast. Like, yeah, they're definitely national DMV. right now. DMV, not DM. Yeah. Did I say DMZ?
0: Yeah, you said DMZ. Wow.
1: Uh, but uh, yeah, looking at that area over in Maryland and on the East Coast. So yeah, I would agree. That's that's a definite concern with that so yeah with camaraderie 100 percent. with being in shape not so much a concern sunshine dropped in this comment it's not really a question just a comment he mentioned i mentioned football probably most likely happening in the fall and he said he's he'd be glad to have football but lawsuits would definitely come because somebody would try to somebody would get sick and then maybe try to cash in do you see that as a possibility say that again that let's say let's say there is football in the fall and players they go play football of course and they get sick and something serious happens like a death or whatever um do you think that some a lawsuit could come about this or do you think there will be things put in place to ensure that it's volatile in air quotes, voluntary, that they come back and play.
0: Ooh, that's tough to say. I think the bigger, more concerning than a lawsuit would be is the public relations aspect of that. Mm-hmm. You saw what happened to Maryland when mm-hmm. a player died. You saw what happened with in the early 2000s when a player at Florida State died. Florida State went on like a seven-year – run of not being nationally relevant after that in the 2000s. I mean, when people don't trust the uh, health situation or the trainer situation or the yeah. medical situation at a individual place or within a league, it's 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 very damaging. Yeah. So it's I, I think uh, from a PR perspective, it would be much worse than it would be from a legal standpoint. I think obviously that would come into play and some money would be at play there. But I think the uh, reputation angle would be the uh, closer thing to follow there. If so, if something happened to someone on a team, they would probably cancel some games and put the season on hold for a while, you would think. I think they would. So, or I think if it's- so, or even if someone contracted <clears throat> it, or even if a lot of players contracted it, it would, yep. you know.
1: And Dr. Fauci apparently came out today and said football is a uh- – a really good way to spread this virus fast. So I was yeah, like, Ooh.
0: I mean, human contact. I don't know. Knows, yeah.
1: <clears throat> but Oklahoma, they got an, a new president of the university in Joe Harris. Uh, he was the dean of the College of Law, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. he
1: was, so I, thought, I thought he was going to be selected before they hired Gallagley. Gallagly was out of left field for me.
0: Yeah, Gallagley was essentially <clears throat> brought in just to clean up the books and get mm-hmm. out. Yeah, and, and he got he, out a little bit he, early. He was not someone who was fit to lead a large public university in the in our era. I agree. He didn't really have a good feel for that and all the pitfalls that are there. He uh, he was not suited for the position long term, shall we say. Um, so,
1: what can a president? like Joe Harrow's, what, what what is what can a new president do for the institution and the community?
0: Well, for one thing, I think it you're one of the biggest things, I mean you're a figurehead from a public relations standpoint. The biggest thing is do not embarrass the university on a national stage. That's the that's the biggest thing in 2020, honestly. Don't embarrass the university on a national stage. Yeah, I think it's fair see that on a large scale elsewhere but honestly now that i don't attend the university of oklahoma there are two things that are my priority for university president one like i just said do not embarrass the university on a national stage two do right by lincoln riley Mm
1: -hmm.
0: he's a guy who prioritizes football he knows what the deal is yeah he knows what the university's biggest cash cow is. Because, I mean, it, it's not only a giant revenue generator for the university. When the football program is doing well, enrollment goes up, applications go up, donations go up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, he understands how essential it is. So, so I'm, you know.
1: I'm going to read you a series of tweets that happened in the, in, in, the way, in the way that they actually unraveled. Uh-huh. Um, one is by Steve Berkowitz. He said, NCAA president Mark Emmert says he cannot see sports restarting at schools that operating only with online classes. He and the NCAA's top medical officer says testing, tracing must dramatically improve, which it is, by the way. Ben. Yeah. Brett McMurphy comes By out. By the and way, says, follow
0: Alan Kenny on that. He's a big proponent oh, yeah. of test and trace.
1: I've I've Mark followed there. that thing yeah. and I check on it. Oklahoma yeah. seems like in a pretty good spot. I mean, they're not ready for test and trace, but they're more ready than a lot of other states, which yeah. is actually pretty good.
0: Which is surprising, frankly. Yeah, very surprising. Yeah.
1: yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, we're gonna be one of the last ones. And actually one of the we're not one of the ones ready for test and trace, but yeah. we're, on but the we're next getting step.
0: there. Oh, good for us. There mm-hmm.
1: we go. Yeah. Brett McMurphy, not long after the Steve Berkowitz tweet, says conference commissioners told stadium online only academic institutions will not prevent student athletes from returning to campus to play football this season. And also, conferences likely would play this fall, even without all of their league members and i thought that was intriguing and then
0: pretty tough to keep up the amateurism ruse when you're saying things like yeah
1: 100 these dudes are not amateurs no these dudes are like essential they, that essential to
0: the economy i mean fuck they're <laughs> not exactly uh...
1: they, the ncaa they are going to have a massive cash cow big elephant in the room on their hands after all this ordeal is over 100 not that they already don't right now it's going to get even bigger uh, they're going to have a real big issue. And then Eric Bailey from the Tulsa world tweeted this out and is talking about Joseph, uh president Harrow says, he said, football's a revenue sport. And he said they were working with Lincoln Riley, the big 12 commissioner and the NCAA. And there's a lot of ongoing conversations. And Harrow says there's a deep desire to have football this fall. And the intention is to have it this fall. But there are so many specifics that go into this that are just now being worked through that there isn't clarity on how it will occur. It's being worked on in a very aggressive manner. So, like, everything that we've said is like, yeah, I think we'll have football. No fucking clue what it looks like. Yeah. But I think we'll have football. So, here's what I think it'll look like. Here's what I think what it'll look like I think there will be college football in the fall, duh. I think you've got two options, maybe three. You've got what they intended originally for March Madness, as far as each teammate gets a certain amount of tickets of family members that can go and watch them in the game. So then like, you might extend your roster to for people that be able to suit up from like 55 to like 90 or whatever. Yeah. And then they get they all get 15 to 20 tickets. So like now in a state of 82,000, you know, you're looking if you got 990 and you got 20, you know, now you're looking at low of 1800 people in the stands, but still, you know, that's whatever. You could do that. Uh you could have 30% stadium capacity. Um in selling certain amount of tickets in the upper deck and certain amount of tickets in the lower deck to try to help flesh that out with ticket prices would skyrocket like on the streets anyways. Yeah.
0: Demand um, would be intense.
1: Mm-hmm. And or I could just see it realistically. I
0: could see it with no fans. But regardless. I would imagine they would allow family like Players that's to have family. That, I think that the most, like think
1: the most often or the most.
0: And that's what the NCAA family. tournament was talking about before yeah. all that <clears throat> happened. And that, yeah, that seems reasonable.
1: Do you see any other way that this could happen in the fall?
0: Any other, I mean, I, I think it probably will happen in the fall. It's just not going to be in front of full crowds.
1: Yeah. I, I think, cause I was thinking back, you know, that family thing, like, or maybe like, you know, you give each player 30 tickets. Yeah. And say disperse them however you want. You can give them to your friends. You can give them to. You, you, your family. you might not
0: be able to give them thirty, but I, I bet you could at least give them ten tickets. Like at least to yeah. bring your immediate family and stuff like that. Maybe so
1: could others. be intriguing. Um, I there. I'm I'm planning wholly planning on there being football in the fall, and yeah. um, it's just really interesting what it will look like because we have no idea. Like we said, we are literally just throwing shit on a canvas and seeing what sticks. We don't know. It's all speculation. We are living life literally. You can make
0: the educated guess that there will be football just because of the monetary implications of them not playing football. Yes, you can make that assumption, but beyond that, pretty tough.
1: And it gets more difficult to see what what happens because as the summer months get here and things and things are starting to open more and more, and cases are starting to dwindle in certain states, but starting to rise in certain states. It's just like. We don't know what we don't know what June looks like, and we're in the middle of May, so it's it's really hard to speculate on this stuff. It's just really tough. Um, Tennessee is really tough on Twitter. They uh, <laughs> only they, on Twitter they they want to beef with OU because uh, it started with the recruiting rankings. They went things. on their little
0: win streak last year in football with wins over you know Kentucky and Vanderbilt and the like, <clears throat> Indiana in the bowl game. You know, so now they're.
1: So dumb. But Aren't yeah, they like number the two in the nation dynasty. for recruiting right now?
0: Yeah, number I mean, two or four right now.
1: So. And North Carolina is also in the top five.
0: Mac, and then Boston, of the Mac, return of the Mac.
1: Maybe. Boston College got in on it. Like, oh, we're at OU 2 It's just like,
0: mm, it's yeah, May wait.
1: in the middle of a pandemic.
0: Wait on it. <laughs> just wait. And Kansas had a top ten class in February of like 2017. All those whatever.
1: Louisiana kids that got committed. Yeah. Said, yeah just commit, exactly. just commit, just commit.
0: And hey, <laughs> to Kansas's credit, Hookah Williams stuck. Yeah, he did. And he's really good. So there you go. It it did pay off in some way.
1: Yeah, don't I don't get that with Tennessee. Like, maybe three years down the road with Jeremy Pruitt, but not with those players. And no. that doesn't make any sense, dude. It doesn't. You don't. Who was that defensive lineman that was crushing Orlando Brown in
0: 2015? <clears throat> Ooh, trying to remember. That was a big – For Tennessee. I, 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 yeah, I don't remember. Ended I that
1: he ended up playing with the – He ended up playing with Philly. I can't remember. But he was like a legitimate defensive lineman, and they don't have any of those guys right uh, now.
0: Emma Gooden's pretty good. Is he still there? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's not there anymore. I don't know. He might but, be – was he a. Ah, shit, he might have been a senior last year. I guess he only had two years. He went to Independence, but big OU target back in the day. I'm not sure if he's still there.
1: Staying on track with the SEC. Like we talked about before the break, OU basketball series between the Sooners and Arkansas in basketball. And I want it in football, but Me basketball too. is good. I want
0: that so much. Like, I mean. People, people, I asked for okay. it
1: on Twitter, and people get angry at me. Like,
0: what? Yeah. That's I, a I, great I, series. It would be really – they're like, oh, it's not a rival. OG fans get way too bogged down in that thing. Like, just have fun with it.
1: Like, have you been to Tulsa? Like,
0: yeah. It, it, there's plenty of Arkansas fans there. And, like, they – people in Oklahoma City, people like us, people who we know don't quite understand – how much people in Eastern Oklahoma are there's a lot of Arkansas fans in Eastern Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and a lot, obviously in Western Arkansas people like OU fans don't really, who live in central Oklahoma don't really come into contact with those people very much. But I tell you what, there are few fan bases that hate another fan base quite as much as Arkansas fans hate OU. Yeah. They, they, they have a little rivalry in their heads. They hate OU. It, it It's wild. Like, so I, I, I would love that. I mean, I would love a home-and-home. Home. I'd love OU fans invading Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville because they would. There's yeah, so, a ton of OU fans in Western Arkansas. Like, basically, Eastern Oklahoma, Western Arkansas is a big hodgepodge of OU fans and mm-hmm. Arkansas fans. There, I mean, it would it would be a lot of fun playing a game at Arkansas. And just, I bet mm-hmm. there would be that stadium seats about 75,000. <clears> if OU played there, I bet there would be at least 25, 30,000 30, OU fans. Yes,
1: yeah, it would be fantastic. It would be I, a I lot would. of fun. And I watched and the- Dixon,
0: And we'd get to go to Dixon Street, too. Dixon Street's yep. really fun. Ask Baker Mayfield.
1: I watched a movie on Netflix and it, it was after like, after watching it for like 20 minutes, I realized quickly that it was like from a Christian film company. Um, but it was about Brandon Burlsworth, Yeah. Um, the walk-on movie. It, it was really badass. good. Yeah. And, uh, it was, I, I thought it, it was, was like, awesome. I mean, despite, that was back like, when I
0: was an Arkansas fan.
1: Yeah. like I kept on thinking yeah. about you telling fact, me about how yeah. they went to Tennessee with T Martin and yeah, yeah. Uh, Clint Sterner pissed the game Clint away Sterner, by st- yeah
0: he well the offensive lineman stepped on his him. foot and he fumbled the ball mm-hmm. and the, yeah Arkansas would have been I guess they would have been nine and zero after that game if they had won mm-hmm. at Tennessee so
1: that's a good it's a good movie but
0: yeah
1: Zach Evans man Zach Evans had nowhere to go remember in the in the Under Armour All American game like Deon Sanders was like advocating for him live on TV and how awkward that was yes and then like he had very no weird. It was like Florida State, Florida, I don't know, Georgia, Georgia. Georgia, Indiana. yeah.
0: I mean, he was, you know, he was signed with Georgia.
1: hmm
0: And they just sort of very easily let him out of his thing, you know, and they essentially nudged him out the door.
1: And now he's with Gary Patterson. What does it, it say old? that
0: Georgia is saying no to you and saying, Hey, the number one running back in the country, nah. You can't come here.
1: Like Kirby Smart, there isn't are smart.
0: <laughs> whether or not it's issues with his character, whether or not it's issues with his academics. We don't know the full story. We know some details, but the thing is, he's really fucking good. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. If this works out for TCU, it's really going to work out for TCU. Yeah, I think if, Gar- if Gary Patterson can handle him. <clears throat> It's going to be really fun to watch. They might be fun to watch this year. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. Max Duggan, he's not that accurate of a passer yet at this point in his career. He was a true freshman last year. Mm -hmm. He needs some polishing. But he's a really athletic quarterback. OU fans saw that last year. He can Mm -hmm. move. An offense with him and Zach Evans in it it. Could be fun. Could be very electric.
1: And I Mark Jackson watching. Mark Jackson as a new outside linebacker. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, he's a uh, graduate <clears throat> transfer. I hope he does well, but I think yeah. he could do well too.
1: So I'm not a big baseball fan, but Korean baseball has made its way to ESPN, and I've watched it more than i watched major leagues. Do you have any thoughts on Korean baseball?
0: I haven't been able to watch it yet. I, I haven't been able to get away with, you know, watching TV at midnight in the living room. That's but, uh, fair. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, otherwise, I'd probably be trying to watch it if it's early enough. What like about if, it's, the- if it's happening at 3 a.m. and I'm not, I'm not watching it, but it's at midnight, you know, maybe. And, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a high level of baseball. I mean, it's obviously not Major League Baseball, but there are a lot of really good players over there, yeah. guys who are eventually going to play Major League Baseball. Some really good Korean ball players and then you know, some players from the States who have uh maybe used to play in the major leagues, sometimes go over to either Japan or Korea to play baseball. Like Traver. <laughs>
1: that was the major I, leagues punk. I,
0: I love love Yardbird. Love watching the video of him charging the mound in Japan.
1: So dumb. There
0: are few things more entertaining than watching Two hundred and eighty pound Jim Traber with a mullet, mm-hmm. charging a pitcher in Japan.
1: It's fantastic!
0: It is electric. <laughs> I love it.
1: You seen these murder hornets?
0: Yeah, I'm not. Apparently, they're not much of a threat to humans. Yeah, because he, they're not. They're not going to fuck with people. It's kind of like bees and wasp. Usually, they're not going to mess with people.
1: I, I but, saw reports that people were hyping them up. And all bees actually kill them, bees gang up on them. They do,
0: yeah. You see, exactly. Like I mean, <clears throat> it might take a little period for the bees in the United States and Canada to adjust, but eventually they'll you mm-hmm. know evolve to the point where they can fight these people off. But
1: I saw a video of a guy, guy that purposely future, stung yeah. himself with one. I saw that. And he was like it it swole like fast.
0: crazy. He yeah, was like screaming. really quickly. Yeah. And this guy, he uh, he's on Animal Planet, I yeah.
1: guess. He, uh, he he gets stung and bit gets on. Stung by purpose. like
0: the worst uh, <clears throat> bugs and ants and stuff like that. And you know, and he's, he's had some bad ones. This was the worst one.
1: Yeah. He was I mean, like, "Oh it's, gosh, thing is it's really unbearable. bad." Yeah. I
0: mean, it, like I, it I'm is. allergic to a lot of things. If mm-hmm. if this stung me, I don't want to find out if I'm allergic to it Mm -hmm. because it would probably be curtains for old Jack if it stung me, but it probably a, it probably will not make it to Oklahoma and B, even if it does make it to Oklahoma, it's probably not going to mess with me. So that's true what it is. And, and the bees will be able to fight it off. They'll adapt over time. It'll be fine.
1: Thoughts on the MG documentary. Have you been watching it? Keeping up with it? See,
0: I'm, I watched seven last night. I didn't watch eight. Mm. So, I know there's some stuff on uh, Thunder Greats Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Gosh, I was a big Sean Kemp fan growing up. The dude was yeah, a dunk. dunker, man. He, he was dunk. a really good dunker, and the glove was great <clears throat> as also. So, dead shrimp with was Jetlef shrimp was uh, with the uh, Sonics at that point too, mm-hmm. aka the uh, future Thunder. But I don't know. I was I'm trying to remember. Was that a four oh series? Uh,
1: I didn't watch episode. No, eight. I think I, I think it was I think it was five one.
0: Five one or four one? Four one. Four bad. one, yeah. What five games. I I remember I was I was driving to Canada with my dad when that series was going on, so I didn't get to watch it, but uh, I, I see. heard it on the radio. But
1: But yeah. image documentary is good, man. Uh, oh, it's great. There are a lot in that last in episode seven. Especially the the
0: when they're talking about, yeah, oh. Jordan's talking about his reputation. As
1: a lot like of parallels guy. to Russell Westbrook and how he approaches the game.
0: I I thought it was fascinating. I Yeah. Really did. <clears throat> I, and I love MJ, but obviously he does not have the reputation of being, quote-unquote, a nice guy. Right. Like uh, LeBron James, for instance. People, mm-hmm. people like LeBron James. People who interact with LeBron like yeah. LeBron. He's a likable human being. He is uh Michael Jordan not so much but true Yeah imper- I mean it doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad guy
1: He's to just a me, competitor
0: He was prioritizing winning like the ultimate competitor still, He still to this day rubs people the wrong way because he approaches everyday life in this way Yeah it's a gambling his, problem he, he, well, Yeah exactly he approaches his uh business dealings in this way he typically rubs people the wrong way, but mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that deep down he's a bad person. I mean, right. I think you kind of got that impression of when he got so emotional when he was asked yeah. that question. He, I think he's
1: just very intense. He's he, passionate. Yeah,
0: he's very intense and passionate. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad person. So, and I, I'm 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 a I'm a guy who was born in '89. I grew up with the hmm. '90s Bulls. I am what they would call a Stan for Michael Jordan, <laughs> so I don't know. I'll, I'm I'll ride with Michael Jordan, but
1: any to close this one out. Any new movies that you've watched since last time we talked?
0: Movies? Ooh, yeah. See, I for the first time, and this isn't necessarily a new movie. I think it came out in 2016. Have you seen Hell or High Water? With, I have not. Uh, I heard about it. With um, Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine.
1: I've heard, but I've never watched it.
0: It is fantastic. Okay. Great movie. It's about, you know, and Jeff Bridges plays this type of character perfectly. He was, uh, there was Crazy Heart where he played a country musician who sort of had the same aesthetic and had the same attitude. And then he was Rooster Cogburn in the remake of True Grit. And it was sort of a similar persona this is a old cop in a small Texas town and there's a bank robbery in his town and he's about to retire and he's going to get these guys before he retires. And it's really good. Chris Pine is one of the bank robbers. Hmm.
1: Really Sounds good movie.
0: Good. Saw that recently, but, um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um I'm trying to think of shows. I finished Ozark.
1: Heard recently great things.
0: Really good. Um, Trying to think, I watched the season of Outer Banks. Okay, have you seen that? Mm -mm. Pretty good. It started out like I was skeptical at first because the first few episodes, it struck me as like this kind of teen drama kind of thing, like The OC almost. And then it sort of evolved into something like Ozark. Hmm. It ended up being really, really good, and it's well reviewed. I mean, it's a you know, it's a really good show too. Another thing I've watched in quarantine, The Society.
1: Never heard of it. What, is it on Netflix?
0: It's on Netflix, yeah. It's got one season, and it was renewed immediately for a second season when okay. it came out. Um, it's almost like a Lord of the Flies situation, but with high schoolers. Interesting. It is interesting, but it, apparently it's based on the Pied Piper.
1: Okay. okay.
0: It, it, it's very intriguing. It's basically a small town and basically the senior class of high schoolers are the only people left in the town and they have Ooh. to sort of get by and formulate their own society and government and stuff like that. And obviously that does not go well.
1: Intriguing.
0: It is definitely a show worth watching. I would say um, trying to think of other stuff. Um, oh, Waco. I finished Waco last night. That's a
1: fantastic series.
0: Waco's good. Michael Shannon. I mean, can you do better than Michael Shannon as God. an actor? Not so really. Good. So good. And uh, Tim Riggins playing uh, – Tim Riggins,
1: David Koresh, bro.
0: He did a really good he job did as that. David Koresh.
1: I was like, this dude lost all that muscle and he became skinny and then played David Koresh really well. Really I was, well. I kept on thinking in the back of my mind, Texas forever. I was, it was blowing my mind. I was like, ah, this is funny Well, he already had
0: the accent down. You knew that. But yeah. – uh,
1: Canadian Tim Riggins, Tim Riggins, who is actually from Canada, plays I didn't a Texan know he was from
0: Canada. Wow, plays
1: a He's Texan very well. Yeah, very, yeah, very does. well. Absolutely. Um, it's a great series.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's only six episodes, but I mean, yeah, it's it's a great cast. A lot of people from Boardwalk Empire in it. It's uh, yeah, a few people. Uh, obviously Michael Shannon in Boardwalk Empire. Have you ever watch mm-hmm. Boardwalk Empire? Mm-hmm. Really good, but um, what else have I watched? I've I've, I've watched a ton of stuff, but um, yeah,
1: never I, have I yeah. ever
0: really good.
1: Okay, what it's is that? A, what is that? Uh,
0: it's on Netflix. It's a I think Mindy Kaling is the executive producer
1: for like okay,
0: and it's a uh, it's a high school girl. She's Indian American, mm-hmm. but it's narrated by John McEnroe. Interesting it is very interesting it's a it's it's a funny like high school drama kind of thing okay it's it's worth watching but i just um, have
1: one thing to plug yeah train to busan have you ever watched it i have not it's a korean film it's on netflix think snakes on a plane okay
0: (laughs) i saw that in theaters when i was in high school man think snakes on
1: a plane but instead they're in korea And there are—it's a zombie, a massive zombie outbreak. Okay. On a train that's moving, it's like one of those high-speed trains. It's a pretty good movie. Okay. That was was good. Uh,
0: That sounds pretty good actually.
1: It's subtitled, but it's—I was—I watched it. My fiance, it's a thriller. It wasn't scary, but my fiance couldn't sleep till like six in the morning. So you tell me. But yeah, that's that's my only thing to plug.
0: I went to the premiere of Snakes on a Plane. I'm not proud to admit that. Wow. I went to the midnight premiere in high school of Snakes on a Plane with some high school friends. And apparently, Snakes on a Plane was like this internet sensation before it was even released. Basically, Mm -hmm. fans were able to vote on lines for the movie and give input before it came out. Mm -hmm. So basically... I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane was something that all of the fans on the internet knew about before the movie came out. And so all of these parts of the movie, these I guess these Oklahoma City people who had been giving input and stuff like that were chanting the lines during the movie. And every time snakes would come out, the entire crowd would hiss. It was like a Rocky Horror <clears throat> Picture type of like live movie experience. Like I mean it was it was crazy. It was one of the most it's wild movie going experiences of all time. I'll never forget that.
1: Well. But uh man, anything else?
0: <sighs> I think we've covered pretty much everything, Kamiar.
1: I think we're good, man. But
0: I think we're
1: good. Hey, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, especially during a quarantine and where yeah. our, our, our lives are actually starting to somewhat go back to normal for some of us or what we call normal. We're starting to trend in a different direction. But thanks for hanging with us and listening to us while all this stuff is going on. Really appreciate for all you guys that are loyal followers and listeners and people that rate us still um, and still retweet us and really appreciate you guys for listening during all this stuff. And you can find all the articles and everything that we post on Crimson Cream Um, Go ahead and follow Jack at CC Machine or at J. Larry Shields. I'm at Robbie and CCM or Alan Kenny, who drops his pod during the week as well, at Bladen Homerism. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play. Please go ahead and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really appreciate that and really appreciate your input. And again, thanks for you guys for sticking with us and we will check you guys later.